We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Cheney Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Yeah, you heard it there. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. That guy sitting right over there in the glasses, that's Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers. For the Sacramento Bee, I'm Kyle Madsen. I'm also wearing glasses. I write about the 49ers for NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Chris, a lot to get to today. Uh, The weather is cooling down. No more beating the heat necessary, but I'm wearing flannels, I'm wearing hoodies, and I'm eating pho, which means it's the best time of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. Fall's, Fall's definitely the best time of the year, but it feels like fall is coming later and later each year. Um, but I guess I guess that's sort of the breaks of uh, of being in California. But we got we got a lot of stuff to get to, man. So much stuff happened on. We're recording this Monday evening, and everything that happened Monday made the 49ers loss to the Seahawks secondary. So we will get to the Niners Seahawks game and kind of the fallout from some of that. But we got to start with the news up top. Um, we'll I, I guess we'll go chronological order here. Okay. I think is the way we'll do this. Sure. Because at about 8.50 this morning, Adam Schefter reported that the 49ers 
traded Quan Alexander to the New Orleans Saints. It turned out that in return, the 49ers will get linebacker Kiko Alonso and a conditional fifth round pick. It's pretty incredible that the Niners were able to unload Quan Alexander's contract, considering they had just redone it and made him more expensive. But what what does this mean for for San Francisco, and why do you think this is a deal that they made? Because I know there's some big some some pretty significant salary cap ramifications that that came with this. Yeah. So basically, um, I, I don't know all the details and and all the uh, all the nuances, I guess, of Quan Alexander's restructure and exactly how much uh, money is going to come off the books, but um, it's going to be something to to the to in in the neighborhood of nine to eleven million dollars. The 49ers are going to save in cap space um, next year and the year after by not having Alexander on the team, and it it's it sort of seemed like. Alexander's exit was, was was kind of a long time coming. I think it was really surprising that the 49ers reworked his contract and made it a little bit more difficult to move on from financially, creating more dead money by guaranteeing more of it. Um, so, but, but what this does now is is it gives the 49ers a little bit more flexibility and, and sheds one of their few, um, they have a handful of these contracts now that they probably need to get off of before next season particularly now because of the pandemic is going to wipe, you know, 40, 45 million uh, off the the salary cap um, as a product of revenue from the pandemic. So, you know, when you have an expensive quarterback and we'll certainly talk about that today. um, But, you know, you you have certain salary cap restrictions. And and if you look at Quan Alexander's value to the to the team between the lines, it simply didn't match up with with what he was making for the 49ers. And so the 49ers would probably rather give that money to Fred Warner at some point. Um, Warner is is in the same boat as George Kittle was this last offseason in terms of um, needing a an, a an extension that's probably going to be at the top of the market. Right. Um, you have to pay Trent Williams. You have zero cornerbacks signed for 2021. So if you want to bring Richard Sherman back, you're certainly going to have to clear space. So um, Quan Alexander is, is, I guess, the first domino to fall uh, in terms of the, this cap saving strategy. And I would imagine that uh, guys like Weston Richburg, um, D Ford, uh, maybe Jaquaski Tart, who's a pending free agent. I mean, that, Tart's injured right now. So um, we should mention while, while we're recording this, uh, we're still, we're still an hour, but be- or we're still a night before the, uh, the trade deadline. So, um, by the time you're, you're listening to this, the 49ers might be making other moves, but, we'll um, point being, yeah, point being, um, it's a cost cutting move for the 49ers and one they probably needed to make, um, just given the, the new salary cap realities brought on by the pandemic, a cost cutting move. And not to mention, uh, he he just Quan Alexander was not a very great player. He was and not worth fifteen million dollars a year. No, and and I understand that he he brought what's the what's the word I'm looking for here? Help me out. Swag. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Ener- he brought, energy. He brought intangibles. Uh, there you go. Leadership. And, and, and I understand that there's that there's certain things you can't quantify. I'm I'm fully on board with all with all that jazz, but missed tackles and over pursuit on run plays and it, it and and then he couldn't stay on the field right and Thir- 13 starts in in the last two seasons 
Yeah, and that was with him coming off a, a torn ACL. Like it just, it was a bit of a head scratching move when they made it. Uh, ultimately, he was he was on a team that that went to the Super Bowl and and he oh, did really well to come back and be available for the playoffs, even in a in a limited role. But it was it was definitely time to move on, and it's it's one of those moves that had they not made it. I think they probably wind up regretting it way more than than they would if you know if they did move on from him. So yeah, um, it, it, just, it it makes sense on, on all fronts. Yeah, because in large part too, you have Dre Greenlaw who's making you know nine hundred k and a million dollars next year. Yeah, right. Um, so who's a better player or over the next two years, I should say. Yeah, Greenlaw's better, and he's a fraction of the cost. So yes. um, it may it, it makes sense That's on all business. fronts, and to get a fifth round pick. Obviously, the 49ers have done well in the in the fifth round, but to get a fifth round pick and move off the contract, I think is um, is really a, a nice deal for them. I'm still not entirely sure what the Saints are doing, given they're about uh, 80 million dollars in the red for 2021 when it comes wow. to cap spending. But um, I guess they feel like Alexander is a guy that uh, maybe puts them over the top. We'll see. We'll find out in a couple weeks because the Niners will will play the play the Saints after Thursday's game against the Packers. A revenge tour, some may call it. Oh, a wow. legendary revenge tour, some may call it. You went there. I sure did. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> is the next bit of news that came down was that Jimmy Garoppolo would be out indefinitely. It sounds like up to six weeks, maybe more, and, and possibly out for the season if he winds up having surgery. On his high ankle sprain, he missed two games, came back against the Dolphins, didn't quite look right looked a little bit better in week six and seven. And then yesterday I was not playing well. He got sacked for a third time in the fourth quarter and wound up exiting. Um, it feels like it feels like this isn't, I, I don't even know where to start here because there's so many layers to this. And I don't know if I start with Nick Mullins being the starter the rest of the way and what that means for the 49ers. No. Or if I start with Jimmy Garoppolo maybe playing his last down for the 49ers. Yeah, I, I think that's where this has to start. And, and and I think you and I have been very reasonable when it comes to our assessment of Jimmy Garoppolo in that, um, you know, we, we've tried really hard not to not to overreact to everything we see. Um, and and particularly with all the criticism where, um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is suddenly trash or, or whatever. But right now, coming off of that game and given what given the the, the finality of the idea that this is going to be the second out of Jimmy Garoppolo's three full seasons as the 49ers franchise quarterback in which injuries are the, the significant issue. So I, I think the, the conversation now moves from is Jimmy Garoppolo good enough to um, is Jimmy Garoppolo even uh, good? Can, can you trust him to be available enough to warrant keeping him around for the $28 million that he's going to cost over the next couple right. seasons, particularly given the salary cap situation we talked about with Alexander? If if you're the 49ers and you say, well, you know, we might really like Jimmy Garoppolo, but we can't count on him to be healthy. Uh, and if he's banged up at all, he's not he's he's not somebody who apparently can can play well through an injury because on this ankle injury, he's just not playing well. Um, and and whether or not that's fair is certainly a question. But it's also worth pointing out, like Russell Wilson has never missed 
a start in his career. And that's part of his value is that durability Mm -hmm. and to consistently be available and produce like your team needs to. Jimmy Garoppolo, now that we have a a really, um, I mean, as full a sample size as as we might get, um, has shown signs that in the optimum circumstances, he can be good enough to win. Um, in in suboptimal circumstances, he's not the guy who's gonna, um, who's gonna be the rising tide that that lifts all boats. Which which is a little bit odd because I think he was that guy when he first came in 2015, and it might be because he was playing with house money. There was nothing to lose really. The 49ers season was already hurt. over. Um, there weren't Super Bowl expectations on him. Um, and so I think, I don't know if it's the ACL injury, but there, there's something about Garoppolo that, that just isn't the same as it was when he first came in 2017, um, and really looked like somebody that, um, you know, the 49ers could, could eventually win the Super Bowl with. And, and maybe the 49ers can get back to that, that place as an organization where everything is perfect next year and, and Jimmy Garoppolo can excel, but is that worth the risk and is it worth the risk at, at that dollar amount? And that's something that I think now the 49ers have to grapple with in a way that maybe they weren't necessarily before, because I think Kyle Shanahan always had confidence in the fact that he could get Garoppolo to play, to play well and play well enough because that's the type of offensive coach he is. But now you have to wonder, all right, is, is this guy going to be available and, um, and is that going to be worth the cost? And I think now more than ever, since we started having this conversation, I guess, um, at the end of the, uh, after last season, after, after the Super Bowl, I think the 49ers now have to be in a space where they really draw out scenarios where they figure out who's playing quarterback next season. And it might not be Garoppolo. Yeah, and you mentioned everything kind of has to be perfect for him and he can operate within a, a, a team that's that's with everything going right, but why would you handcuff yourself like that? Right. And that that that's that's where I pushed back a little bit last year was we saw instances where things didn't go perfect, but he still found ways to win. And I went into this year saying that if he took a step, if he moved laterally, he was going to be the quarterback in 2021. Yeah. If he took a step forward, maybe they're looking at extending him. If he took a step backwards, okay, now maybe we're looking at the 49ers making a change at the position. And I think pretty unequivocally, he's taken a step backwards this year. You can blame the injury or not, but he just, he, he hasn't been a better version uh, of himself, save the the first half of the of the Jets game, when he when he played well, even even after the injury. But I mean, that's the Jets; they haven't won a game yet. So that's where I went into this year with kind of an open mind on Garoppolo. Like, okay, maybe what we saw in the postseason, where the Niners kind of try and uh, the the Vikings game and the Packers game, where they they just leaned really heavily on their running game. Uh, maybe that was just a product of the game plan. Maybe it was you know, whatever it was, but I thought there was a step forward for Garoppolo to make this year. And it just doesn't look like he's going to make it. And I don't, I, I, I don't think it would be good business for San Francisco. If all the reports about Kyle Shanahan's reservations about Garoppolo were correct, this certainly isn't helping. 
And like I said, I and and I don't know why you'd handcuff yourself for that to that for all the reasons you laid out. Yeah, and, and look, like it's very clear, and this probably has a lot to do with the ankle injury, but the 49ers can't push the ball downfield at all with Jimmy Garoppolo right, right. now. Um he, you know, he's he completed one pass uh with longer than 20 yards from the line of scrimmage and that was in that Patriots game like that 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 part of the 49ers offense is dormant with Jimmy Garoppolo at the moment and so I don't think Kyle Shanahan wants that I think Kyle Shanahan definitely wants to to build everything around the running game um, and be creative that way and and win that way and play to your defense I think that's sort of the the who Kyle Shanahan is as a as an offensive coach and and that's sort of what his DNA is but like you he absolutely wants to be able to push the ball downfield and win games like the 49ers did in New Orleans when you know Emmanuel Sanders is catching 75 yard touchdowns and then the Rams game when um you know Garoppolo's making plays deep downfield like if if that was the guy that was um that was playing for the 49ers and building off of that then I agree with you like the, that's somebody that the 49ers would probably look to extend but because of um, the circumstances and the injuries now it's it's just you can't you can't go into next season with a quarterback that you don't feel comfortable pushing the ball downfield who's making 28 million dollars particularly now that you're you know Russell Wilson isn't going anywhere Kyler Murray isn't going anywhere you know Jared Goff might be but the point being if if you're the 49ers you can't have the third or fourth best quarterback in your division so- if you expect to win it and to your point about about Kyle Shanahan's offense and wanting to push the ball down the field, I, I I know we can't tie everything back to Atlanta because the rosters are different and this version of the 49ers doesn't have Julio Jones. But that Atlanta team was 26th in the league in pass attempts. Right. It wasn't like it was Matt Ryan throwing the ball 50 times a game. They were just super efficient at getting the ball down the field. And Garoppolo is not doing that and when he does it's on short throws where his receivers are are running after the catch and that's that's fine but on some level you have to be able to lean on your quarterback in the NFL in 2020 and maybe Garoppolo goes somewhere else and is awesome I'm not writing off the guy's career but I yeah me neither I I don't think he's capable or maybe Kyle Shanahan doesn't believe he's capable of doing what the 49ers need him to do to maximize their offense. And that's the that's that's not something that I was sure of before and I'm much more sure of it now. And and the situation sort of dictates them taking a, a different look at it, right? Like if if you know there's a chance now, I mean so we'll talk about George Kittle being out, but there's a chance now without Garoppolo and all the other injuries that the 49ers end up with five or six wins, maybe at the most, right? Right. They already have four, um, but there's a chance that the 49ers are, are going to be picking in the top 10, a pretty good chance. So if that's where you're picking and you have an opportun- opportunity to get one of these quarterbacks, perhaps one you really like if you're Kyle Shanahan, and get that guy on a rookie contract and then build out the rest of the roster, and then you could start developing your quarterback that way with the receivers you have, I still think you could pr- you could potentially contend like, I I haven't watched all the quarterback. I've watched Justin Fields, obviously. I've watched Zach Wilson a little bit. Um, 
I think Zach Wilson is going to be really good, by the way. Like, I think he might end up being my favorite. Um, He's awesome. Yeah, I think he might end up being my favorite quarterback in this class. So I want to. Oh, go ahead. But but the point being, like, with all the salary cap stuff, if you're picking in the top 10, you you seriously you, you have to think about a quarterback. And it's easier to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo if that's a position you're in, whereas, you know, it would have been a lot more difficult had the Niners gone you know, eight and eight, nine and seven, maybe made the playoffs and were a one and done or just missed the playoffs. Like then you have to trade a, a, probably a first round pick to move up for a quarterback. Um, so it's a very different situation. So now that the 49ers are in this space where they're probably not going to have Garoppolo for the rest of the season, they're probably not going to have Kittle for the rest of the season. You have to think about just saying, all right, this is this is 2018 all over again. And maybe, you know, you're probably not going to get the number two pick, but I mean, if you got the number five pick, you're, you're in a dynamite spot right. potentially to, to land a quarterback, or at least if, if you are moving up, it's not going to cost you a, an arm and a leg if it, you know, the same as it would if you were picking in the teens somewhere. So the point is like, because of where the 49ers are drafting, that makes, that might make moving on from Garoppolo easier because there are uh there are there are better alternatives than having to trade up massively in the first round or trying to trade for a veteran like you know you mentioned Matt Ryan or Kirk Cousins or Sam Bradford or you know Sam Darnold somebody um like that i think the best way for the 49ers to do this thing would be to add a would be to add a quarterback in the draft for for the cost control reasons real quick before we move on i want to pull back the curtain a little bit on a Zach Wilson story so, okay. so before BYU started their season, somebody it was the right before their their opening game started. Somebody on Twitter, one of the draft people I follow, tweeted really excited to watch BYU quarterback Zach Wilson. I think draft Twitter is unintentionally really funny sometimes. Most um, of the time, in my a lot opinion, of the time, a lot of the time, a uh, lot of people way smarter than me but the way they go about Twitter is funny to me. Yeah. And so I thought that was a super funny thing to tweet randomly on like a Thursday night. I'm super excited to watch the BYU quarterback. I happened to look up. I saw that tweet while I was at the gym. I happened to look up just in time to see him throw a 70-yard dime. It was probably yeah. 50 yards, but it was a dime for a 70-yard touchdown. And it was like, oh, <laughs> I get it now, draft guy. And ever since then, I've kind of been been paying attention mostly to the highlights because I'm not tuning into BYU football, sorry. But his highlights, at the very least, are incredible. Big, big Zach Wilson fan based on the highlights. Yeah, I watched I watched the game Saturday night, and he just made he he just made some throws. You're like, wow, and like he's a I, good athlete. He's got a really good arm. Um, some of the throws he makes are Mahomes like. Yes. Like, you know, he's able to throw on the run and, and just chuck it 60 yards downfield. He's pretty accurate on those deep throws. Uh, what I don't want to get dive too much into Zach Wilson go, yet because okay, well, okay. we'll have let's, plenty of let's, time. But let, let's I think ahead. he's a fascinating guy if you're if you're the 49ers. Right let's now. let's skip that, though. And real quick. OK. Um, I wonder about Kyle Shanahan's. I don't want to say desire to have an elite quarterback. But if he feels like a quarterback is worth taking in the first round, especially if it means giving up draft capital to move up to take that player. 
I think he believes enough in his scheme, and I'm totally guessing here. I think he believes enough in his offense that he thinks he can take a good player maybe on day two, relatively early on day two of the draft, who's maybe just a good prospect, and he can make that guy great versus needing an elite-level prospect in his offense. Yeah, potentially. But, I mean, if if you're... You know, I mean, he just learned the lesson of not a star quarterback against Patrick Mahomes. And you're probably going to need a star quarterback if your goal is to win the Super Bowl. But I also but I also think that, that if Chris Jones doesn't bat that ball down, that game goes a lot differently because sure. he brought that up specifically. Like the, it was a second and nine, and he specifically brought up that play. He said if that ball doesn't get batted down, the drive goes a lot differently. I don't think that's necessarily on the quarterback. So. No, that's fair. But I, I'm just saying in terms of like creating the best odds for yourself to get back to the Super Bowl and win it, you know, like you're not going to have you're not going to have an elite pass defense every year. Like the 49ers defensive line was sure. a pretty rare, rare thing to have. Um, and just the confluence of, you know, being able to add Nick Bosa and D Ford, a healthy D Ford to uh to a line that already included DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead. Like that's that that yeah. doesn't happen a whole lot, and the 49ers are gonna have a hard time replicating that. You know how they could using a first round pick on a defensive end? They could. And then <laughs> but no, I, I, I mean like, like you said, we have so much time to get into the draft. That's yeah. just the the take I've been formulating as as people were calling our produced sports talk radio show in San Francisco. Don't talk about that often, but uh, as more people were calling and texting about the Niners need to draft a quarterback in the first round, I just kind of started thinking, like, I don't know if they'll do that. But we'll have plenty of time to discuss it. Next bit of news, George Kittle out at least eight weeks with a foot fracture. Unless the 49ers go on some crazy run where they make the postseason and George Kittle is ready to come back for the postseason, I see no reason for him to be on the field the rest of the year. I agree with you. I also think um, I wonder if there's a chance he decides to get his shoulder fixed. Oh, true. Yeah. Because he's got that torn label in his shoulder that he's basically said, like, you know, I'm going to play through it and probably have surgery at the end of my career with it. Um, Like he could potentially get that fixed now this offseason. I don't know how long it would take, but. Uh, or how extensive the injury is, but I would presume if he were to get it, like, say, in December, um, he could rehab it and, and be ready in time for, for next season. Potentially. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's that's the thing with these injuries. It's like they they completely derail the season now. Like, this season is essentially over. Right. And you had a stat. You had a really good stat. Um before we before we got on the pod, or at least a nugget from from Pro Football Focus that you should t- tell the listeners. Okay, so I looked this up today. The, the 49ers' five highest graded players on offense in 2019, according to Pro Football Focus, were George Kittle, Raheem Mostert, Joe Staley, Debo Samuel, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Joe Staley, of course, retired. The other four are out hurt. And at least three of them are out beyond the bye and maybe the season. On defense, their top five graded play, uh, five highest graded players uh, via pro football focus last season. Richard Sherman out with a calf injury. Nick Bosa out for the season with a torn ACL. Eric Armstead and Jimmy Ward both playing. 
Uh, Ward missed a game, though, with, with that quad injury. And uh, number five was DeForest Buckner, who got traded. So eight of their 10 highest-graded players from Pro Football Focus last year are either gone or out. Yeah, it's hard to win. It's hard to win like that. Very hard. Which, which is why, like, in hindsight, you know, we're going to talk about the Seahawks game, but coming in, like, the, the discussion to me around the Niners completely changes now. Yeah. Very Because the... the 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 yeah. fact that you know Kyle Shanahan didn't have a great gameplay calling and um, the offense wasn't great in handling the blitz like that's all very very secondary to me now because now you wonder and Steve Young was talking about it um, I think on ESPN tonight like do the 49ers the like he doesn't think the 49ers are going to bring Garoppolo back or he doesn't see how they could unless maybe he takes a drastic pay cut or something sure but it the, that's what the conversation is going to be now from you know, I hope everybody's <laughs> everybody's ready to talk quarterbacks for the next four months because that's what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, buckle up for for that. Final thing here before we before we hit the break and talk a little bit about the Seahawks game. The trade deadline is Tuesday. It might have passed by the time you're listening to this. It's 1 p.m. Pacific time on Tuesday. Quan Alexander's already been dealt. You think anybody else moves? I know Akello Witherspoon and Dante Pettis are two names that have kind of floated around. Kyle Shanahan said they're they're making and taking calls on Dante Pettis. Do you think we see the Niners make any more moves? Yeah, I mean potentially. If they're if they're trying to get rid of Quan Alexander, I would think anybody with a hefty contract who's healthy, um, they might consider moving for the right offer. I I don't know. You know, I, I'm very curious to see if if Trent Williams is going to be made available, I, I absolutely no see the way. reasons why he wouldn't because the 49ers like Trent Williams and want to resign him to a long-term deal. But if you can get a first or second round pick for Trent Williams and then not have the financial flexibility of not being able or not having to pay him, you know, 16, 17, $18 million a season in the spring, you know, there that that's a scenario that might be enticing to the 49ers if they think they they can identify their next left tackle, um, or if they want to move Mike McGlinchey to the left side, uh, which might not be a popular sentiment given the the way the season's gone for McGlinchey either. But um, so you know, Eric Armstead is somebody. Uh, maybe if the 49ers decide they don't want to pay him eighteen and a half million dollars, I I kind of doubt that. Um, but it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if, if they just decided that having all that money tied up in him, um, wasn't worth it. But again, it's all, if they decide that, Hey, we're going to move on from Garoppolo, then maybe the, the financials, it becomes more palatable to keep all of your big contracts. And I'm sure they would try to trade Weston Richburg D Ford or Jaquaski Tart. Um, but all these guys are hurt. And so none of them can be traded. You can't trade guys on IR. Um, or the pup. Yeah, or pup. So it's, uh, I think the guys you mentioned make sense, but I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, unless unless the 49ers get somebody to overpay for somebody else, I, I think it's probably not going to be like a complete fire sale, but um, but it wouldn't surprise me if somebody like, and Pettis is hurt too, actually. Right. Uh, he had the shoulder injury. But yeah, if they traded Witherspoon, that, that wouldn't shock me at all. All right, let's hit a break and we'll talk real quick about that game up in Seattle. 
Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with our free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Football is back in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else, and that's not a lie. The player props, the customizable ones, are my very favorite thing. I tell you, every week, you got to get in there. And you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every single day. Head to BetOnline right now and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So the Niners lost to the Seahawks 37-27 in Seattle, and it continues a almost 30-year streak of San Francisco not winning back-to-back games in the Pacific Northwest. But the 37-27 score wasn't quite indicative of how the game went. They, of course, trailed 30-7 to in the fourth quarter. In light of the Kittle and Garoppolo injuries, did it feel like that effectively ended the season? Because even before the injuries, it felt like, okay, there, there went their division hopes. You know, if they win that, all of a sudden they're kind of back in the in the in the race, and they're sitting at five and three, and they've won a couple division games. But now it's that was over entirely. But now it feels like the season's kind of done. Yeah, I, I think more or less the 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 idea that the 49ers are contending for a playoff spot, um, I think, is is over with. Um, and so now everything shifts to next season and and i think every game is going to speak to how the 49ers are evaluating their their roster for next year so like there there still is a lot of at stake for some of these other guys like the nick mullins is a free agent potentially um you have to figure out if you want him back or if you just um go another direction at at backup quarterback um you know you they they have zero cornerbacks signed for 2021 so that'll be an ongoing evaluation process um but yeah i mean when i look back at the 2020 season i'll remember week two against the jets and nick bosa going out and solomon thomas getting hurt and garoppolo suffering the high ankle sprain there and then i'll remember the the seahawks game for effectively being the nail in the coffin for for the team's playoff hopes because 
you know, I, I thought the 49ers had a chance to go eight and eight. And if you're eight and eight, you're going to be in the mix till the very end for, for that number seven seed potentially. Um, but now I just, that just doesn't seem possible. Yeah, I don't, it would be surprising. Like it, I don't, because maybe they go in Thursday night and they rally and they beat the Packers and then they get the long week and they go to new Orleans. You know, there's like, you can make a roadmap, but it's just so hard. Like at some point, the injury situation becomes so overwhelming. Yeah. Even the deepest roster and the best coaching staff (laughs) isn't, isn't going to get it done against a a healthier NFL roster. Right. You're, you're not going to get, Richard Sherman or D Ford back before the bye. So that's two right. more games. Um, two more critical NFC games against potential playoff contenders that, you know, if the 49ers were going to make, like if they were going to get D Ford and Richard Sherman back um, and maybe Debo back this week, then maybe you could say like, all right, there's, you know, Kyle Shanahan's good enough to where he could, he could squeeze out an, a, a good offensive performance from these guys. But just given the fact that the 49ers really don't have that, like they're missing, it feels like they're missing guys at every single position group. Right. Which they, they kind of are. Yeah. I mean, they, they basically what, are. The if you go through it, group? every single one, <laughs> except for maybe, you know, offensive tackle <laughs> I mean, guard, they're, they're missing their center, but yeah, I mean, everywhere it's, it's crazy how, how much injuries have, uh, have killed this team. I I do wonder if there's going to be some of these analytics websites who do like games lost due to injury. um, What the studies are going to say, because I, I think this might be a record breaking record breaking season when it comes to stuff like that, or at least way up there. Like in terms of, in terms of salary cap dollars on IR, the 49ers are probably going to set the record. And I don't know if anybody keeps that, but like $80 million on injured reserve is insane. Yeah, like in 2011, the cap was $90 million. 2011. <laughs> like $80 million on IR the for the 49 Uh, Yeah. So just under just under half of the, the salary cap on IR? Yeah, and you mentioned under, eight, but... eight of their 10 best players. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it, it's crazy. It's right. Like you, Bosa going out was, oh man, that that was brutal. But Garoppolo's got the high ankle sprain. Maybe he comes back, and Kittle's going to be coming back, and Sherman's supposed to. Like after week three, there was this roadmap where they were going to start getting healthy just in time for this gauntlet right. stretch of their schedule, and then the injury situation just kept getting worse. I, I think was there a game this year? I think there was one where it was like DJ Jones. Was it the Ram- no, not the Rams game? Where he got poked in the eye. Yeah, it might. There was yeah, one it, game it was where it was like the only injury coming out of it was DJ Jones getting poked in the eye, and then everything else was fine. But that might have just been. I mean, no, I don't know. It feels like every. It feels like every Monday there's been. I've been writing injury stories. Yeah, I, I, I so it's. It was unbelievable, four weeks ago, and it's just gotten worse. Yeah. It's gotten worse. Um, and it's it's one of those things where it becomes really hard to take anything away from this season. 
just in terms of where the 49ers are at. Yeah. So, um, and that, that's the thing too. It's like, who do you, you know, I don't good recap of the Seattle game. Yeah. Well, we'll get into it. The Niners got smoked by a better team. We'll do our good game, bad game stuff later. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Who do you blame? You know, like the, the pandemic, the, the pandemic offered a whole lot of obstacles that were clearly unprecedented. Like the training staff, I, I, I felt, I thought the training staff was, was good last year like they and part of that was because they didn't really have any significant season ending injuries but it seemed like all the guys that missed time eventually came back and they got a pretty healthy version of of the team available for the playoffs um but there have been a lot of setbacks like Richard Sherman's had a bunch of setbacks um you know Ronald Blair was somebody who they thought might be able to make the opening day roster and he's not going to be back uh, until after the buy, it sounds like, because Kyle Shanahan said somebody screwed up his surgery. Um, Man. you know, their D Ford's situation. I have no idea what's going on with that. The 49ers initially said they weren't all that concerned. And then all of a sudden it's a back injury that, you know, might cost him 15 games this season if he doesn't play again. Like, so there are weird setback issues and I'm not going to pretend like I'm some orthopedist who can say who's, uh, you know, who's good at treating athletes and who isn't, but like it is noticeable that the 49ers are having a lot of setbacks with these guys in their recovery. And I think it's worth asking the question, you know, how, how culpable are, is the training staff for that? And how culpable is the training staff in Kyle Shanahan's mind? Because really that's all that matters. If Shanahan thinks the training staff is screwing up, then he might replace it again. Uh, which would be the second time in three years. Um, so that's something I guess that, and, and look, like I said, I'm not an expert in, in the medical field. Neither of us are doctors. So, so, but I do wonder if that's going to be part of the, the falling out of all this, because like you said, it's hard to judge because do we like, do we fault John Lynch for the way he, he put the team together? I don't really think so. Um, do we fault Kyle Shanahan? I, I don't think so. Is, is it just, you know, do you blame anybody and do you need to make wide sweeping changes or is this something where you feel stable enough in the foundation of the organization that you can just roll it back next year and hope you're healthier? Hope like throughout the season. Wasn't one of their things going into last year when they re-signed Jimmy Ward and kept the same secondary, basically wasn't one of their wasn't one of their things like, well, our injury luck's got to turn around eventually. Yeah, because in 2018, they had terrible injury luck, too. Yeah, and they basically went into 2019 like, well, this is going to get better. And like you said, they didn't have any major season enders, but they were without Kittle for a couple games, and Sanders played through an injury, and you were without Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey for a handful of games, and check missed time. And D. Like, Ford and Jaquaski tart Like, Jimmy Ward missed the first three games. Like, they had injury yeah. issues last year. I just, I, I, and... That's where I have no idea. And I know that blame needs to be assigned somewhere because that's just kind of how our brains work. Yeah. But I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> yeah, me neither. So um, I'm going to avoid throwing anybody under the bus when I don't know right. if it's anybody's fault necessarily. Right. But it is unbelievably bad injury luck for San Francisco. Like looking at x-rays makes me queasy. Like that's oh, the yeah, type, yeah, that's I'm the, the type of medical expert I am. 
Yeah, dude. Not like, I was a dude who, like, got nauseous in middle school when we had to, like, dissect things. So I'm, like, very much not a... You dissected uh... stuff in middle school? Yeah, dude. Seventh grade biology. Wow, that's wild. Yeah. Frogs and stuff. It was crazy. It's really gross, too. Like, fetal pigs? Gross. The really gross. Smell? Really I'll, never for- I'll never forget that smell. It's gross. Yeah. Let's do good game, bad game stuff. Okay. I thought Brandon Ayuk had a really good game. He had a eight catches, 115 yards. Uh, that was the previous game. He had eight catches for 91 yards and a touchdown. I thought he was uh, really good yesterday and turning into a really excellent first-round pick for the Niners. Yeah, I think Brandon Ayuk's going to be very good in Kyle Shannon's offense for a long time. They're starting to use him in the deeper level of the passing game more now. Mm-hmm. They've hit him on deep completions back-to-back weeks. And you keep, you've you mentioned on several podcasts finding somebody to fill that Emmanuel Sanders role, and I really think Ayuk is going to be able to do that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. He's a really good his, player. Um, he's just a dude. He just looks a little bit different with the ball in his hands. He's yeah. he, His athleticism is just a little bit different. Like, he's... It stands out, and you can see it um, when you're watching on TV, and you can definitely see it on the practice field. He's just there. There are some guys like highly touted prospects, dudes who just have physical tools, and when mm-hmm. when you see them around other guys, you're like, oh, that guy's that guy's like a little bit different. Right. And that's how I feel about Ayuk. Yeah, really good player, starting to impact the game at all three levels of of the passing game. He had a hundred yards last week, and I looked this up today. It's the earliest a 49ers rookie has had a 100-yard game since Dave Parks had one in week six of the 1964 season. Who could forget Dave Parks? Me. (laughs) (laughs) A bad game for for a number of reasons, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Um, We went from going into the weekend thinking, hey, maybe the 49ers can pull off an upset and uh, really have a galvanizing win that sort of becomes a signature moment of the season and and they improve to five and three and maybe start considering themselves real contenders for the NFC West. And instead we're coming out of it thinking that it's probably unlikely that Jimmy Garoppolo is back making the same type of money as the 49ers quarterback next year. Well, and which is a wild, wild swing. Yeah. Pretty, pretty incredible. It's a week to week league, Chris. (laughs) And the the thing about Garoppolo specifically yesterday, I'm not going to say this lost them the game, but his interception was particularly bad. Yeah. Because the Niners were driving. They were in the red zone or just outside the red zone, getting to the red zone. The Seahawks offense was doing nothing. San Francisco's offense was rolling. And they looked like they were going to go up 7 nothing, and and really get a chance to kind of get a jump on Seattle. And instead... He throws that interception. The Seahawks go down and score. I know the Niners came back and got a got a touchdown back, but I think they really had a chance to to get the Seahawks down there and kind of reeling a little bit. And the interception just swung the momentum entirely, and and the Niners never really recovered. Yeah, so, I thought I thought they were controlling the game until the interception. Yeah, and you DJ think Reed, like, oh, the 49ers the Forty Niners catch a big break because Jamichael Hasty's fumble didn't count. You're like, okay, that's going to be something to, to remember because they're probably going to go down here and score. And then, nope, very next play, interception. DJ Reed, no less. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a, I, I, I feel comfortable saying that's a pretty questionable 
decision-making process with DJ Reed because the 49ers could have used DJ Reed about four different times this season. Yeah. I don't know if they were, well, so I don't think they released him to outright just get rid of him. No, they released him because they thought they could sneak him through waivers and get him to injured reserve right? without having to give him a 53-man roster spot uh, a week before week one. Right, but making that especially brutal is the fact that he's playing in week eight. Right. They were going to try and end his season right? because of a torn pack, and he's playing in week eight. I don't, I would, I know we'll never know. I would love to know what the decision-making process was there from top to bottom. Yeah. I mean, what John Lynch said was we thought it would, it wasn't an injury that would be worth keeping a roster spot for, but yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, with with all the turnover. Yeah. It's tough because DJ Reed played well at certain points of the 49ers and he was what a fourth round draft pick. Yeah, he could play safety. He could play in the slot. Uh, yeah, they just, could. They uh, could definitely have used him this year. Kicks. Yeah, like there's like you said, there's eight different ways they they could have used his services this year. Very odd decision. Another good game. Kendrick Bourne, a career high eight catches. He had 81 yards. Probably should have scored a touchdown, <laughs> but yeah. but took a took a weird route to the end zone and got tackled short. He's, I I think just kind of a. Uh, really ideal third receiver for Shanahan. Yep. And he was good yesterday. So good on him. Yeah. And now he's a pending free agent too. So, you know, what's the rest of his season going to look like? And he's, is he going to be somebody the 49ers feel like they should pay or they should just try to replace through the draft or some, you know, another cheaper option. it will be interesting to see because I have no feel for that right now. I don't either. I, I took a look at the roster and like all the free agents. I'm like, man, this is this is th- there's a lot going on now in terms of team building <laughs> for the 49ers and all these conversations we're having. You can bet that, that the 49ers are having in their front office at way deeper levels than us. I don't envy Parag Marathe's job at all trying to deal with the salary cap situation. Yeah. Just that sounds brutal right now. Yeah. Uh, I said bad game for Kyle Shanahan because I want to talk about two plays specifically. So I threw him. Here. Okay. The wildcat with Jarek McKinnon and Brandon Ayuk. I bad. know that I know, I know he said they ran a zero blitz and kind of blew the play up, but it wasn't so much the play cl- the play call and the result. It was that it came on a third and five. I just don't when when they were moving the ball effectively I just I I I didn't understand it in the moment and the explanation didn't help. Yeah, and so what Shanahan said basically was they th- they would have gone for it on fourth and short had they not gotten the first down there on third and 5. Uh-huh. But they I mean obviously they end up taking a big loss there and have to punt instead of going for it cuz they don't have the fourth and short. Um I'm just like, I'm not a fan of the Wildcat in general. And I think, I mean, basically, when you line up in Wildcat, you basically tell the defense, hey, we're not passing because we don't have a quarterback in the, with the ball right. in his hands right now. And that makes it a hell of a lot easier to call a zero blitz because um, you're if you're the Seahawks, you're going to say, all right, Jarek McKinnon, toss a pass to one of the 49ers. You know, there's only one real threat on the field right now. Right. Or maybe two, right? To to catch a pass. So like, okay. Um 
Yeah, I think the the only other time Kyle Shanahan tried a wildcat was in New Orleans last year at the goal line with Richie James, and that didn't work either. Um, there might be some other times, but I don't I don't remember any successful wildcat plays. And I think it's pretty it's pretty easy to defend because if you're a defense, I would just say like, hey, if they run wildcat, we're running zero, and everybody blitz, <laughs> and yeah, then yeah. Uh, and and you know like so anyway, yeah, I'm with you it's, on that. The throwback to Trent Taylor was weird. The end yeah, around that was there. fumbled that still ended up being a positive play because Brandon Ayuk was weird. It was, you know, and I, f- I, I felt stupid because I wrote a play, a, a feature for Sunday about, you know, Kyle Shanahan's process and the team's process for learning plays um, during the week because a lot of what they install during the week is stuff they've never ran before. So it's basically just sort of Kyle Shanahan remaking the offense with his staff every week. And I write about that for Sunday. And then Shanahan arguably has his worst game game plan performance of the season. Um, anyway, which is fitting. But yeah, it was it was a weird game from Shanahan's perspective. And he uh, he noted that after the game that he didn't think he called a very good game either. I thought Trent Williams had a good game. He didn't allow any pressures. I think I saw a stat from Jeff Daney at Pro Football Focus that he's now gone 115 consecutive pass plays without allowing a pressure and that's good that's what the 49ers need to see from trent williams yeah when when he's a few bad games when he's playing well he's one of the best tackles in the league yep and he looks like it (laughs) and he's a free agent it's ideal uh bad game dante pettis he was uh put in to return a kick and promptly fumbled it in a moment that it was like that's his last play was a 49er even yeah. if he doesn't get traded, I don't know how you put him back on the field. Yeah, well, I mean, he's got a shoulder injury. Um, I, I I think I mentioned this in the group chat with you and Wagner, but I think the the most interesting thing about the Pettis situation in hindsight, and it seems like a, a really scathing indictment of him, is the fact that the, the 49ers receivers that they drafted since Dante Pettis have been completely different than Dante Pettis. Yeah. In, right. in just about every respect. Like, I, I don't think there's a more different personalities and and mindset than Debo Samuel from Dante Pettis, right? Like, that's the complete other end of the spectrum. Right. And, I, right. and I think Jalen Hurd is similar to Debo Samuel in that way, in that he's just kind of a dude that craves physicality and, and would prefer to run through a defender rather than around him. Um, and I think one of the reasons why Kyle Shanahan targeted those guys and, and those particular mentalities is because of the mistake that they made with Pettis. Yeah. Um, so he saw a guy in Pettis who was really good at returning punts and was a productive receiver in college and thought that he was going to be a, Oh, give him the ball in space and he's going to make things happen guy. Mm-hmm. And he's just not. Yeah. And Brandon Ayuk is, is the much, much better version of that. Um, and Ayuk just has physical, like Ayuk is strong too. Yeah. You know, Pettis just never played with any strength. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, it's probably it for for Pettis. I mean, it, we don't know the severity of, of his shoulder injury. We'll have an idea. Um, that news might already be out there by the time you listen to this on Tuesday. But um, yeah, it's it hasn't been a great a great tenure for Dante Pettis, and it's hard to see the 49ers keeping him at all. So someone who I, I want to mention here, but I don't want to hit him with the bad game label was Emmanuel Mosley. 
Yeah. And I just wanted to talk about him because we needed to get to DK Metcalf. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit more about DK Metcalf in a minute, but uh, tough matchup for Emmanuel Mosley. <laughs> and one of those times where I think the Niners defense and their 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 scheme kind of can hurt them when it's, hey, we're going to line up our guy against your guy and we're going to be able to win with it. And it just didn't didn't quite work out yesterday. Tough one for Emmanuel Mosley. Yeah, I mean, the problem, too, is like when you don't have a pass rush and you have to send blitzers, right. uh, you're not going to be able to help guys on the outside in the same way. Yep. Um, and so that speaks to just the general issue the 49ers have on defense, which is they don't have any pass rush or anything close to the pass rush that they had last year, which means the onus on the secondary is going to be really, really heavy. And then the secondary's banged up. <laughs> so Man. it's um it's just a situation where you just have to play. And like I'm with you, like the the second touchdown on the slant over the middle, like Mosley was was playing about really as good, good a coverage as you could have. It's just DK Metcalf has a foot and fifty pounds on him. <laughs> um <laughs> and he boxed him out, you know, on on that slant. Like I don't it was just one of those things where it's like, man, you can it's it's like in basketball where you play great defense and a dude hits a fadeaway jumper that you can't block and it's like you could play the best defense in the world if he's hitting that jumper it's going in no matter what. That was sort of what what the Seahawks offense felt like yesterday with with Russell Wilson and DK. Um, My favorite thing from yesterday was they need to jam DK Metcalf at the line. Right. Yeah, just go jam the six four two thirty eight guy. Right. Just, Who's also really fast. Yeah, just go slow him <laughs> down real quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was not it, it was noticeable that they they didn't target Metcalf nearly as much um against Jason Verrett. Yeah. It was it was against Mosley. So Mosley's a good player. I mean, he he's a starter in the league. Would you prefer that he's your third corner who might be able to help out in the slot? Probably, but you know, for right now he's a 49er starter and that's where they're at. <laughs> Man, Demontre Moore MVP award is comes with some news. Demontre Moore got popped for violating the league's performance enhancing performance enhancing <laughs> substance policy. It's tough, man. I can't PEDs. really talk tonight PEDs. either. So we're good. PEDs. What do you want from me? So uh, Demontre Moore MVP award is uh, like I said. A little so bit, a little bit silly today. Do the can the 49ers contest the game? Yeah, Demontre Moore had a had a tackle for loss, I think. So. Yeah, like can they say, hey, Seahawks were clearly cheating. Let's re let's let's run it back. It's a great point. <laughs> no, um <laughs> Yeah, that's that's not a great look for our guy Demontre. But tough, tough scene. It adds another layer to the uh, to the coveted award that we give out each week. You love to see it. I'm just happy. Like to me, that just says that he's putting in maximum effort to help his team win, and that's why he has an award <laughs> named after him. <laughs> Who's your MVP? First, first one is actually from the Seahawks defense. I just wanted to give Bobby Wagner a shout out. He had 11 tackles to lead his team, two sacks to lead his team. He had three tackles for loss, also led the team, four quarterback hits, the only Seahawk with more than one quarterback hit. He was excellent, and he's one of the probably three best linebackers I've, I've ever watched in my life. And 
I can't remember if I said this to you or on the podcast, but I said, I think Bobby Wagner is going to look a little bit old a few times on Sunday. And he did not. He looked like prime Bobby Wagner and he's a really, really good player. Yeah. Um, Pete Carroll subscribed to the theory that when you're playing against a hobble, Jimmy Garoppolo, you should just blitz as often as you can. It worked. It worked. It definitely worked. Um, also, Heronis uh, Grasu, not his best game. Right, which is another reason why you blitz when when a team's on its third string center. Um, that's what you do. So yeah, uh, no issues with Wagner. He was he was the best player on the field, I think, when the Seahawks defense and 49ers offense were were on there. He was really good. My MVP, uh, Demontre Moore MVP, is DK Metcalf, and he's just such a problem for the 49ers specifically without Richard Sherman that like with the way Russell Wilson's playing, I don't really know what you do because literally no idea. Yeah. It's, it's like, and and I think all the pre-draft stuff was all valid, right? Like there's so many systems that are built on misdirection and route running and all that, um, that, Metcalf wasn't going to be a fit with every team, but going to Seattle was like the perfect situation for him to go to because he can run crossers. He can, you know, run streaks and he can just find ways to run past people. And and when that's all you need him to do, and you have somebody like Russell Wilson who can freelance and, and who throws probably the best deep ball in the game right now, like, it's perfect. And so I I think, you know, DK Metcalf had what? 12 catches on 15 targets, 161 yards and two touchdowns. And it Great. felt like he could have gone for way more. Yeah. Um, it, like Emmanuel Mosley had an incredible pass breakup. Yeah. On a, on a third down that would have been another 40 yards and another touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Like Metcalf's a, Metcalf's really good. He's a lot better than I thought he would be. It's a perfect fit. And um he was the MVP for me because you take Metcalf out of that game, the way the 49ers defense was playing, particularly early on, like it's definitely a lot closer. And Metcalf sort of unlocked everything that they wanted to do yeah. just by the threat and the fact that the 49ers had to had to account for a guy on the outside being unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, man. He was, um, like you said, it's one of those things where it was like, you just, it, it's like watching prime Shaquille O'Neal. Like right. it, it, on some level, a guy is just bigger and faster and stronger and there's not a lot you can do about it. And what the Seahawks do a great job of is not asking him to do anything that he's not great at. Right. It, it's just, you don't need to be an awesome route runner when you can put your ass into a defender and he can't get around you. Yeah, it just or you can just run past people. And yeah, the the first touchdown where he just ran by everybody. I was, my first thought was like, well, Dre Greenlaw probably should have taken a better angle and caught it. Like, if Dre Greenlaw took the better angle, then it would have just given Metcalf a lane up the middle. Like right. he was just he he's moving at such a speed where if you're not if you're not already moving, you're not going to tackle him. And Greenlaw was basically flat footed, and yeah. so. You know, it like Metcalf's speed was just like like that was like to like. People keep bringing up the to comparison, and I don't hate I, it. 
I'm of the mind that Honestly. Terrell Owens is the second best receiver of all time. And that's a hot take, I know. But I don't like disagree with the comparison. No, I mean just watching it, like yeah. they're physically they're very similar. Yeah. So just just like in terms of watching a dude that size with that type of body structure just running by people like that reminds you of Tio. Absolutely. I don't think he's he's going to have the career that Owens did. Maybe he will if he's if he if Wilson throws and passes for the next decade he might. Um but yeah, like he's not he doesn't have as diverse a skill set as Tio did. But just watching him move like that it was like oh yeah that that looks like Tio. <laughs> So, had to is talk that about it? DK Metcalf because he was really good. Yeah, we had a lot to discuss. A lot of important topics. I imagine we'll have some other long ones as the season winds down and the Niners' future starts to take shape a little bit. So, what we're gonna do with the game Thursday night is we will record another podcast Friday that'll come out over the weekend. And, and, you know, be available all weekend and, and into Monday. And then I believe we'll get back on a more normal schedule next week. So. Yeah, we might we might just do well, well we can talk about it. But it, it's likely that the 49ers are going to play Thursday and then there won't be access again until Wednesday. Um, so we might there might be a content lull for for a second next week but we'll figure it out and uh, we'll let you guys know when we have our next pod coming stay locked in we're bringing you content yep all right see ya see ya without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.